Hello and welcome to IR Thinker, where international affairs are discussed. I'm Martin Zubko. By all accounts, we are hearing more and more about India's international role. On this edition of IR Thinker, I'm curious about India's position in BRICS, what BRICS has brought to India, and what India has given to BRICS, also what are the future plans. Even though there is a remaining skepticism about BRICS, we can't ignore that the bloc represents 27% of the world's land surface and 41% of the population. Today I'm joined by Professor Yunuguru Skrinivas, Assistant Professor at the Voxen University in Kamko, which is around 50 kilometers from Hyderabad in India. He is also Alina Mungyu PPD Professor of Public Policy and Co-Chair of the COE Public Policy Research. Professor was awarded many awards worldwide, has participated in many international conferences and published extensively for the academic journals. His focus is on foreign policy of India, China and Russia, political economy of the global south. But there is one detail in his CV that got my attention. And this detail is, Professor has published two books. First one, Future of BRICS and the Role of Russia and China, published in 2022. And the second one, Russian Approach Towards BRICS and G20, 2001 and 2012, published in 2017. Therefore, I assume that Professor is the right person to speak about BRICS and India. Professor Scriveners, welcome to the show. And the first question before we go a bit deeper into the conversation, how you come across BRICS? Thank you, uh, Dr. Martin. It's my honor to be part of this uh, lecture series. Uh, I feel uh, immense uh, pleasure to be a uh, part of this lecture again. So uh, I started uh, developing interest towards BRICS group uh, from uh, 2009 onwards because that time I was in uh, Jawaharlal Nehru University in New Delhi. I was uh, pursuing my master's, right? So that time there was a lot of literature was going on international uh, relations because the fundamental uh, reason is uh, the political uh, shape of BRICS was took place in 2009. Though the BRICS was formed in, I mean, shape, are coined by uh, a scholar Jim O'Neill, uh, and uh, at that time it was only mentioned brick only, not bricks, consisting of uh, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. So the scholar suggested all the Western countries that. These are the four countries which are having immense natural, human, technological resources in upcoming international global economy. Hence, the Western world shift should shift their foreign policy towards these countries. That's how the GMO O'Neill suggested to the Western countries to shift their foreign policy towards Western countries. So that was how in 2001 the BRIC coin was coined by uh, that uh, scholar. So that was a period where the economic development was happening in these global south countries. 
so after seeing this set of rapid evolution of these uh, four or five uh, uh, global south countries in international relations uh then uh, president of uh, russia right so he uh, mobilized his uh, foreign policy approaches to approach these brics countries to you know give a, a formal shape of big group right so that's how uh, there were frequent meetings i'll talk about this one probably a little later so that's how the brics formal establishment in the form of political uh, entity was to place in 2009 and the first meeting was happening in ekaterinburg russia in 2009 so that time i was uh, doing uh, uh, masters like i said in jnu so literature was available so that's how i got interested towards this brick groups and also who can ignore these uh, brick countries resources like they have like you know 40% of the global population 30% of the global uh, uh, geography and 24% of the uh, global gdp nearly 17% of the global trade and humongous amount of uh, global forex exchange that these brick countries have so if all these countries together having this many resources naturally they will have a sway right, right? and that is what happening in present global uh, uh, politics right and also uh, if you could uh, go little deeper and deeper regarding uh, india and uh, china history even uh, lenin also uh, wrote in his memoir that the future of global politics belongs to india china and russia Understood. right so that's yeah. that, so that, that's good story also for our students who are studying now and there are some international developments and they are interested in so that in the future they might be experts like you because th- that was quite good coincidence that brics was developing and your studies were developing thank you thank you very much for this that very interesting answer so let's start a bit deeply into the into brics and india so we have a first question and, and let's start from the beginning when brics was formed under what sort of circumstances india joined the brics so uh, it is a long history uh, dr martin uh, because after the disintegration of soviet union in 1991 the world was actually uh, divided into several uh, sections because us became the single largest global power and started dominating global political economic social cultural affairs including security domain right the same time uh, russia's power got uh, declined right and other countries particularly the western european countries be it uk france germany or other countries and also japan a uh, power have been again gone down and then they became voiceless unlike aggressive voice that these america was having right and for example scholar quanching uh, uh, jo he termed that after the disintegration of soviet union there was a complete establishment of unipolar world order international relation and the bipolar world got ended with this incident right and countries like you know in uh, japan russia or maybe western countries power got minimalized and they did not have enough influence in global affairs 
right so this phenomenon in uh, world politics uh, uh, was uh, some scholar like huntington he termed this one as the paradoxical multi uh, uni multipolar world order means there will be one a single largest global power under which there will be a minimal powers maybe uh, in terms of you know japan a uk france and you know germany so that's how the us actually established a system in which it could maintain defend and expand its liberal economic order so that it could serve its national economic and security policies in international relation later it also provided that uh, uh, global political dynamics started uh, changing for many uh, regions because that time only the nascent rise of global south countries started evolving in the form of brazil maybe china or maybe uh, india or indonesia or several other countries right their economic uh, voice is actually uh, slowly increasing and they also started you know surfacing their concerns of global affairs in international relation so like that it's uh, the nascent rise of a global south countries were evolving and likewise in uh, 2009 when there was a nam nanalan moment meeting took place the then uh, foreign minister of uh, china uh, uh, yang jiechi he uh, said that there is a rise of you know uh, global south multilateralism in international relation hence these countries should be given prioritized in policy uh, making and uh, decision making of in a global fora right so likewise later a sudden uh, shift took place in uh, russian foreign policy as well because uh, in uh, 1996 russia changed uh, its uh, foreign minister primakov and primakov became a foreign minister of russia and uh, uh, primakov uh, started uh, shifting russia's foreign policy towards global south countries and he started giving importance to uh, india china brazil and other countries because as i said russia's power got declined right after 1991 and they needed a uh, countries which could balance in international relation and which could expand russia's power so that's how the sudden shift of russia's foreign policy towards the global south took place and and also Uh, russia included uh, a multipolarity concept its uh, in its foreign policy in 2000 right so that's how it basically trying to uh, establish its own block so that it which could uh, balance its power in international relation and also reduce the western countries hegemony in global power politics right so it is the same phase uh, uh, russia i mean uh, india brazil and other uh, the global south countries also are thinking that there is a complete a uh, unipolar world order which not giving a face or a voice for the global south countries right so they also needed a, a club which could expand their voice like that it was happening and india for example if you talk about uh, that time uh, uh, you know india objected or abstained from un resolution 88 percentage whenever the us uh, introduced a uh, uh, resolution in united nation general assembly 
that means 80% of the resolution which was imposed or introduced by the uh, america was objected by india means not accepted rejected that shows how these countries were dejected with the established global politics and institutional structure likewise uh, uh, brazil also was thinking same way and china you know their embassy was attacked in some of the uh, western countries they also got dejected with the uh, unipolar uh, uh, world politics because it is not at all giving space for their countries to expand or uh, their voice in international relation so it is the same phase uh, 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 russia thought that they need a voice to expand their uh, uh, foreign policy that's how uh, putin when he attended un general assembly meeting in 2006 at new york he approached these uh, uh, india brazil and chinese foreign ministers to formal establishment of brig group right so that is the first ever uh, uh, major movement that took place in brics history in 2006 in new york when the foreign ministers of brics group met right after that when there was a, that was the moment that's how the first ever uh, foreign our external affairs minister of these countries met there and started discussing about global politics and global economic order and after that they have met again in japan hokkaido then the g20 summit they also like furthered their uh, discussion on brics group right so that's how uh, the uh, shaping of brics group was happening and then during the same phase we had like hit by global uh, financial recession in 2008 which means these global financial institutions are not fulfilling the needs of global south countries right so all these uh, things actually combined together played a significant role for these countries to be uh, uh, you know a part of this uh, brics group and also during the same time like you know asian financial crisis took place so it was a complete uh, like you know Uh, uh, disturbance in existing global order which was not at all fulfilling the needs of uh, 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 global south countries so that's how india you know became a part and parcel of uh, brics group so that it could expect a maintaining a, a stable economic international order and also it could give some space for the space for you know developing its own gdp and also which could provide some employment opportunities for a uh, growing uh, in this youth and also which could uh, give some uh, investment for poverty alleviation program in india and also uh, which could actually serve as an alternative global mechanism for promoting economic and social growth of india because that was the time india is growing right so particularly at a time when global institutions are under tremendous stress in the form of you know financial uh, uh, recession right and india hopes to use this uh, brics group to expand its foreign policy towards <laughs> africa which was hitherto ignored and also it wanted to expand its foreign policy towards latin america again it was hitherto ignored so it basically combination of several factor which played a significant role for India to be part of BRICS groups. Right, but that was excellent explanation. Thank you for this. And during the negotiations, there was 
a figure of Marmohan Singh. Can you please tell us about this person? Because he was the Prime Minister of India, negotiating and representing India in the negotiation. What was the perception of his personality in the world internationally and inside of India internally? Yes, he is a visionary leader of India. Right. In fact, it is not only the BRICS. In fact, he was the torch bearer of India's economic reforms in 1991 during P. V. Narasimha Prime Minister tenure. Right. That was that was the time when India was under deep economic crisis. In fact, under his guidelines only, India brought LPG program into India's economy and uh, integrated India's econ India's economy with the global economy that's how the reforms took place and that's how the rapid rise or development of india economy took place so he is a like you know played a significant role for india's uh foreign policy towards BRIC. and when the BRICS was shaped uh he was the uh prime minister of uh, india right uh when there was actually a lot of uh, uh ifs and buts when he wanted to uh India to be part of uh, BRICS, right? For example, like, you know, in 2009, when he wanted uh, to sign a nuclear uh, treaty with America, he was the one, he only single-handedly handled this issue because within the his own political party, there was no that, there was lack of support for him. Likewise, when he wanted to, like, you know, establish relations with BRIC countries, same thing happened. So it was a courageous step that uh, Dr. Manmohan Singh took uh, to make India to be a uh, part of uh, uh, this BRICS group so that India's economy can be developed and the growing youth of India will get benefited and the stature of India's economy can be expanded in international economic structure. And in fact, he was the person who actually pushed for new development bank. Though the new development bank, which was formally established in 2014, but the seeds of establishment of this BRICS bank took place in 2012 uh, uh, in New Delhi's fourth BRICS summit. Right. So the, in that meeting, actually, uh, Dr. Manmohan Singh suggested all the BRICS countries that let's establish a bank or institution or economic institution which could help for our region to develop right so that's how he proposed this idea fortunately other uh, members of BRICS maybe uh, uh, Russia or uh, Brazil or China accepted uh, uh, to uh, a formal establishment of uh, BRICS development bank so New Delhi and then it uh, Durban and then uh, you know uh, in 2014, the formal Fortaleza BRICS summit played a significant role for the establishment of new development bank. And also, he also accepted for the inclusion of, you know, South Africa in the BRICS group. South Africa was not at all part of BRICS in uh, 2009. It was made as, you know, uh, a BRIC member uh, in uh, 2011 when uh, a third, uh, third BRICS summit took place in Sanya. China. So he's actually uh, played a, a significant role for the uh, success of, you know, BRICS Development Bank and for the convincing of all the BRICS member uh, for the inclusion of other uh, South Africa 
right and he, he that you can see the like you know fruits of brics development bank which is playing a significant role in the current uh, economic uh, institutional uh, structure particularly in the global south region right and can you please tell me why he wanted south africa why this country is there any link between south africa and india uh, brics is a intercontinental team one is from uh, uh, latin america two are from uh, uh, you know asia and russia is eurasian right so there is a death of you know equal representation of all reason i see so he wanted right? a country from africa uh, to be yeah, included uh, he wanted a uh, wanted a country from africa which could actually play significant role for all this country to go into african region so that their region also will get developed at the same time these countries also get benefited because as africa is the area which is having humongous amount of natural resources but unfortunately underdeveloped i see i understand thank you thank you for this explanation now after dr manmohan singh the office was taken by narendra modi and can we say a few words about modi's understanding of brics is there any difference or modi is basically continuing in the legacy of dr manmohan singh uh to my understanding i don't think that there is that much difference between uh, uh, dr manmohan singh uh, for policy and uh, uh, present prime minister of india uh, uh, narendra modi because both the prime minister have given equal importance to the brics group because the kind of activities that these two prime minister did for the success of brics group it clearly indicating it. but the leader, leadership style is different okay. because uh, 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 manmohan singh uh, leadership style is different and the policy making and policy implementation is different whereas narendra modi's uh, uh, policy making and policy implementation is different in fact uh, the current prime minister fenda is very aggressive in the policy ma- uh, framing and policy implementation so uh, when uh, manmohan singh was acting as a prime minister of india brics group was primarily uh, economic and you know trade block it was mostly talking about economy trade climate okay so these set of activities that they are trying to give uh, importance for the brics group but then like when uh, narendra modi became a uh, prime minister of india he realized that there is a lot of scope of you know brics apart from economic and trade relation it has a lot of importance in uh, political uh, affairs of international relation right so that is the way he actually uh, wanted uh, uh, a strategic importance of you know brics in international relation that's how the security you know climate change maybe drugs narcotics uh, terrorism extremism so these uh, issues also should be discussed by the brics group because uh, these are the countries beat you know russia beat china you know india you know brazil all these countries are facing this you know terrorism right so why not these countries should discuss the security issues strategic issues so that all these countries can together collectively eradicate global terrorism from their region right so that's how he started giving a uh, uh, a uh, importance to security strategic affairs of you know brics and he actually somehow convinced other brics member 
to you know like you know recognize some of the uh, anti uh, uh, state actors to be as international uh, terrorist organization particularly from africa when there was a, a brick summit which took place in uh, 2016 in goa uh, uh, india wanted to recognize some of the anti uh, 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 state actors from Pakistan should be declared as uh, international terrorist organization, but for that, uh, you, you know, Russia and China politely rejected it. But somehow, because of uh, the shrewdness of uh, Narendra Modi, uh, he could or his uh, 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 diplomatic approaches could convince a Chinese policy uh, framers as well as uh, Russia's uh, policy framers to declare. them as international terrorist organizations right. right so that's how the securitization of brics probably started uh, uh, under his uh, tenure can we sum up like during the sink and during the modi many things happened in the relations to brics and when we have like a very thick line and we basically will sum up like what the brics brought to india so far if you because you said it's financial aspect as a bank then you mentioned the security aspect so we have finance we have security can you elaborate a bit more what the brics brought to india definitely definitely uh, dr martin yes uh, uh, brics got a lot of benefits uh, to india though it is actually less explored area many people or many scholars or intellectuals uh, talk about the future of the brics but they ignore what and all it has done to india okay right for example like i said uh, the brics group established ndb that is the new development bank which actually uh, funding a huge amount of in this in, in huge amount in indian economy particularly in green technology in fact india is one of the largest you know benefactor of you know brics development bank right and uh, uh, this bank actually are uh, playing a significant role for other uh, brics member to get benefited from the fund it has uh, gone with the contribution of you know all these brics members and also uh, in this uh, imf quota got increased like you know Uh, in uh, some years back it was actually a 2.44 only but um, india's imf quota increased to 2.75 right and again uh, there is a, a meeting of imf uh, uh, member to recalculate that how much a quota should be distributed to all the countries and that is happening in uh, this year in december and india's uh, for, uh, uh, finance minister nirmala sitaraman affirming that india should be given more quota so that it will get more benefit in fact it deserve right so that is what it is demanding for reform of you know uh, this imf which could actually help for india's uh, financial system it did actually like i said 2.44 to 2.75 means improvement right and then uh, you know the the brics group actually uh, played a significant role for india to represent global south wise and international relations right so it is actually leading or uh, taking a lead uh, position to surface global south wise in international relation in which brics is playing a significant platform 
right so for this also like you know india got a space or a platform which could represent global south countries interest in international fora right and also it can also like you know affirmatively uh, put forward its demand for existing institutional structure of international relations reform maybe or imf maybe a world bank maybe a wto maybe a unsc right so with the brics group it could actually expand its uh, voice for the reform of existing global institutional structure and which is playing in the form of you know russia maybe uh, brazil of course we have a differences with china but at least it is saying that there should be a proper representation of all countries in the global fora that's what china is trying to highlight the same time which has give uh, the brics group has given india a direct nexus with us african countries as well as latin american countries right because latin american country is there right and in the form of uh, brazil and africa south africa is there so that also gave some space for india to penetrate in those uh, area so that india's foreign policy can be benefited the same time finally under this question uh, india's image also got increased and it is a true right because it has re clearly re reflected uh, in uh, ukraine crisis you see in that how many like leaders asked prime minister of india to please convince uh, vladimir putin to stop you know uh, attacking uh, ukraine that is a clear indication right so that's how uh, i'm sure uh, india will benefit more from this uh, brics group of course there are challenges that we will discuss probably in later part of our discussion mm -hmm. right perfect yeah. and and yeah. when you when you touch the foreign policy what i want to ask is for instance india has a security policy or security foreign policy it has internal regulations and internal thoughts and then you have the brics so how does it work for instance when india is developing its uh, foreign policies or other policies how much is the influence of brics on this decision making process a lot of lot of uh, things are happening actually because of uh, this grid in fact it is a combination of both uh, india combination of both the uh, things are happening when india's foreign uh, policy is uh, framing and uh, shaping because india is in such a situation or location where in its western side we have pakistan we have always issues uh, uh, with the pakistan like you know we believe that pakistan is always uh, you know tinkering with india's uh, domestic affairs which creating problem particularly in you know jammu and kashmir and if you go to uh, northeastern region we have uh, china right so that is also we have adversarial relations though it is the largest you know a trading partner of india but then we have like conflictual uh, relations between uh, india and china and creating problem particularly in northeastern area because of you know border issues that are taking place between india and china so these are the adversary countries that are locating in india's western and eastern side the same time we have good neighborly countries in the form of you know nepal bhutan you know the maldives or sri lanka 
right so it is not one that single issue that plays a significant role rather combination of several things which plays a, a paramount role for industry policy uh, framing and implementation like i said yeah so but then we should know that you know the foreign policy is uh, of any country is determined by domestic factors as well as internal factors right but for india we have like you know geographical issues like i said western side pakistan eastern side china right and also historical reason conflictual historical reason that are happening between like you know india and pakistan you know india and nepal india and bangladesh the historical regions also play significant role though bangladesh and you know pakistan and india have same history but then we have to have a different uh, foreign policy objective when we deal with pakistan and when we deal with you know bangladesh because we have a checkered history with these countries right like with economy so we have like you know when we got independence india uh, was under tremendous stress with massive unemployment there was not proper gdp growth okay there was no uh, modern technology no modern industries right so that's why apart from this one india is actually or uh, you know like uh, uh, located around you know indian ocean region it is also strategic uh, uh, aspect of indus uh, uh, foreign policy so multiple uh, you know uh, what to say uh, elements uh, play a uh, role uh, for the uh, indus foreign policy uh, making and uh, implementation and that too india is aiming uh, to become one of the largest global economy and uh, we are aiming that by 2047 india should be made as you know developed countries right Obviously. so in which yeah in which we have to have like you know like in a strategic neutrality right. means we yeah we need all countries support and you know help and also india also can shoulder whenever other countries face any issue and that is what happening right so that is a way multiple uh, you know things play significant role and control for india's foreign policy framing and you know implementation due to its geographical location history political culture you know economic factors and you know several other right thank you dr srinivas and one more question let's touch a bit of india's diplomacy because from what you told us already we basically have an impression that there was india's diplomacy before brics and after brics and brics has a significant influence or impact on that diplomacy can you tell us what is india's dna of diplomacy if can we describe india's diplomacy what does it mean nowadays the new answer of india's dna diplomacy is peace stability tranquility of international order so that all countries grow together but then whenever india's foreign policy literature you take up most of the time india's foreign policy was explained from the western perspective most of the time india's foreign policy was contextualized from western voice but the western country's foreign policy is uh, uh, sorry uh, the discourse basically focus upon eurocentric area or eurocentric foreign policy means their theories primarily 
explains the foreign policy of countries from their perspective, Euro Eurocentric perspective. But we should keep it in mind that every country has its own history. Every country has its own perspective. Entry, every country has its own objective. Every country has its own reasons to participate in international relations. Right? So there should be diversification of, you know, a foreign policy exploration in international relation. We should actually start studying Global South foreign policy, in which also we should actually emphasize country-specific foreign policy. For example, within this Global South, uh, India has its own uh, set of foreign policy goals and objective to be a member of international order. Likewise, China also has its own uh, perspective and approach to be a member of you know, international order. So there should be a diversification of you know a theories of international relation. Particularly, it should actually reflect the marginal voice of you know international relations because hitherto the marginal voice have been never explored, never prioritized. Right. right? So that should be uh, prioritized uh, in this uh, 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 discourse of international relation, and that too, uh, India has its own like you know contemporary uh, foreign policy objective and also different set of you know relation institutional uh, setting due to its uh, you know divergence of you know pakistan china nepal bangladesh sri lanka and also indonesian location right so all these factors and uh, political uh, elements uh, trade uh, uh, Thing, uh, play a uh, significant role for uh, India's foreign policy to explore uh, framing and implementation and we should actually uh, 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 deconstruct the Eurocentric foreign policy and uh, start digging deeper and deeper and we should diversify it and country specific foreign, should, foreign policy should be developed. In fact that was happening from 1991 but then it was actually uh, you know global uh, globalization i don't know feminist perspective constructive perspective marxist perspective but within which we need to focus upon country specific right i i basically spent more than 10 years around diplomats and every time i spoke with diplomats they very highly you know like uh, evaluating the indian diplomats they said they are one of the most underestimated diplomats in the world because there are not many books or literature but i think as you said as you pointed out that india's diplomacy might have much better momentum which is coming i think and i think there is a very important role of india's diaspora abroad because uh, i think india is is highly populated internally but you have also a huge population abroad, outside of India. Can we can we elaborate a little bit, Dr. Sonivas, about or on this aspect? Like, what is the role of the India's diaspora abroad and the India's foreign policy slash diplomacy? Definitely, definitely, Martin. Uh, uh, so. Uh... In uh, recent past, in fact, uh, like, you know, one, two months only back, one, two months back, uh, the UN on World Population Day released a uh, report of uh, global population uh, trend in which it says that 
India is going to become the largest populous country in the world in 2023. Which is this okay. year? Uh, this year. That means huge, huge amount of population. That is more than 1.4 billion population are going to uh, live in our country, exceeding uh, China. Right? In fact, uh, in 2019 only, the World Bank, uh, in its uh, world population uh, uh, prospect, declared that uh, India's population is equal to 90% of the global, 19% of the global population, and China's population is equal to 18% of the global population. Right? So, lot many people are actually, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, living in this area. But the big question is, there is a lot of responsibility on the policymakers of, you know, these countries, right? Because are we in, are we in a position to provide affordable water, house, cloth, health facility, and other, you know, basic amenities, right? So it is actually a big question if you think deeper under the consideration of present scenario, lot of ifs and buts are happening, right? So in this scenario, the Indian diaspora play a significant role for India's developmental journey. 2023, uh, in fact, uh, today, uh, yesterday and today, India is celebrating 17th uh, Pravas Bharatiya Devas at Indore, which is located in Madhya Pradesh. It is the cleanest city of India. Right? So, uh, this year, India is celebrating 17th Pravas Bharatiya Dinas, Divas, and which is named as Diaspora Semicolon Reliable Partners for India's Progress in the uh, Amrit Kal. Amrit Kal means the next 25 years of India's history. Right? So, this will be a golden uh, period of, you know, India's history because it is going, it is predicting that by 2047, India is going to be the developed country in the world. Okay. okay, and also India is aiming to reach uh, US 30 trillion dollars, which is, uh, you know, like uh, in current scenario, which is equal to US and, you know, China. And that's so it actually aiming to become the third largest global economy after China, America, uh, Right, that means like lot of you know ambition, like big ambition that uh, you know this uh, country is uh, having, and also you know India recently uh, became the fifth largest global economy, surpassing uh, the UK, right? And that too, it happened in COVID times. That too, like you know the uh, Ukraine crisis time. That means it has a potential. That means there's a potential by, by because due to 
due to ukraine crisis and uh, covid uh, 19 hit entire globe got destructed particularly economy despite these conditions also india could manage to surpass uk and became the fifth largest global economy that means it has potential okay right and also india is the only country which is having like a humongous amount of you know like diaspora consisting of 32 millions okay. spread across million. 32 millions okay. spread across you know africa uk canada france germany asia and what not right and uh, so india's uh, diaspora is more uh, active and proactive and you know successful in helping india's developmental steps okay so over the last several years indians have moved from their country to other countries particularly the skill labor in uk singapore or us and getting high paid jobs right, right? so when they get high paid jobs obviously they'll uh, send you know their uh, money to their uh, you know countries it maybe to their you know parents or maybe other uh, neighbors or maybe uh, friends of uh, Ah, people okay. those are actually living yeah, in yeah. that uh, countries right so it is estimated that in 2021 world bank said this data so the indian diaspora has sent you know 89.4 us billion dollars to india okay right and in 20 22 the data is it to out it is going to surpass uses 100 billion dollars which is equal to the 3% of india's gdp that's significant that's significant just imagine if all the resources could tap how best that india could benefit and how india can be developed right so the best thing that india could do in this situation is that india should have a political will convince india's diaspora to you know send more remittances to india and be part of you know india's developmental uh, what to say steps right that to like you know india's diaspora occupied in a very important position be it you know uh, what to say a microsoft uh, you know apple or some even countries are headed by indias the recent example is uk uh, recession act he's from india matlab i mean uh, is ancestor from yes, yes. Uh, uh, from india right so there is a lot of uh, role that indian diaspora has provided we need political will to tap the resources of indian diaspora as i said 3 percentage of gdp means which is huge yeah And I I would also add a little bit that that I live in many countries and in each country there is a very good reputation of India's people abroad like they always have businesses they always can manage the things you know so I think this helps a lot to India because of that reputation of Indian people like students abroad from India by the way is there any misconception about India's foreign policy slash diplomacy something we think but in reality is not true okay is there anything like that 
difficult question but a good question because uh, uh, i'll uh, bring uh, recent examples only particularly uh, ukraine crisis see uh, 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 when all western countries uh, were under uh, tremendous uh, stress due to uh, putin's uh, aggressive steps towards ukraine right so india took neutral stand india needed this one because for them it is not only the western countries or russia which are important rather all countries are important right but then what western media projected india that it is a pro russia of course its abstinence in un resolution reflected that one but then it is not like that india has its own relation or different relation with russia the same time the western countries both are equal uh, actors of india's foreign policy and both will uh, play significant role for india's foreign policy making and implementation so the western countries should not believe or think that indian foreign policy is pro russia rather right rather it is independent sovereign country which will have its own foreign policy which could meet its interest and promote global stability peace tranquility which india is aiming for that mm -hmm. right that that that's a good explanation because i think many people here in in the west they they put india in like a russian basket with china you know like sort of like oh you you're, you're buying the russian oil so you must be you must be supporting the war and you must be supplying weapons and everything so so that that's a good clarification for us to to know how is the real position of india let's speak a little bit about particular countries in the brics and the position of india towards those countries so we can say a few challenges and a few advantages of those countries for india let's start with brazil with what's continue with russia china and south africa so we have the whole spectrum of the brics countries so for instance if there is brazil what is positive for india towards brazil and maybe there are some challenges or maybe issues that you would like to solve and you know improve the situation for the future so can you please elaborate on that dr sklenos thank you definitely definitely it's a big question because you have to discuss you know four countries and that too yes. we have to like you know but but you, uh, are, you are also a big expert so therefore big question <laughs> I'll, i'll i'll try my little best to answer uh, this uh, question so when it comes to uh, brazil no i'll highlight uh, three uh, advantages uh, that india and uh, brazil has particularly see both india and brazil have extensive uh, you know a bilateral and you know multilateral relations because india and brazil are members of the you know, basic uh, you know uh, brics uh, you know uh, 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 g20 right so that means which actually uh, apart from uh, having a bilateral relation which have multilateral relations which could give which actually giving space for both these countries to share their you know developmental report or you know progress right and also brazil is second one brazil is one of the most uh, you know important trading partners of india in latin america right it is the largest you know country in latin america particularly in terms of in you know, a geography which also has an immense amount of you know, resources right so that actually plays significant role for india's and you know uh, brazil's to grow together and get mutual benefit 
right? And also the third important point that highlights that uh, India became the uh, fifth largest, you know, trading partner of you know, Brazil in 2021. Right, so the bilateral trade actually uh, uh, chain exceeded, you know, more than uh, 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 eleven uh, US billion dollars in uh, twenty twenty one, which is sixty three percent is more than in twenty twenty. Means there is a potential. It's just that we need to expand it. Right. So these these are the three uh, advantages that India and you know. Uh, Brazil has in their bilateral and multilateral relation. However, there are some disadvantages as well, which actually both the countries are unknowingly or ignoring. Because, uh, for example, one when uh, he became uh, head of uh, Brazil, his foreign policy approach towards BRICS was something different. Right? Bolsonaro was not giving that much importance to the BRICS group, whereas India under the Prime Minister of Narendra Modi, he was actually aggressively pushing for, you know, BRICS, right? So there, there should not be any misconception and misunderstanding. That too, when they actually dealing with the US, he was actually aggressively, uh, Bolsonaro aggressively uh, tilting his foreign policy towards, you know, America, whereas India is not that aggressive, rather it is actually giving importance only. So that misconception that actually we should uh, resolve. And then other important uh, disadvantage is that uh, India and Brazil signed, you know, defense cooperation agreement in 2003. But then there was not that much progress. Right. So in 2016, there was some discussion and some development actually uh, took place. But that is not uh, going uh, in a uh, fruitful way. So both the countries I feel there is a lot of potential for uh, defense uh, approaches, uh, uh, cooperation and uh, mutual benefit that these countries should focus, which unfortunately are not giving importance. And the third disadvantage is both the countries have bio, uh, you know, sector, uh, bio energy sector offers a large benefits, right? Because Brazil has its own, like, you know, bio energy resources, India also does. Right, but then they're not actively, uh, you know, like uh, cooperating on this area as we're talking about the climate change and global warming. So, probably we can, you know, shift our foreign policy and cooperation into bioenergy sector uh, cooperation so that both the countries will get benefited. Okay. Right, so these are the three uh, advantages and disadvantages that Brazil and India has. So let me come to uh, Russia now. So, like you know, the first uh, important point is uh, Russia is the largest defense approaches exporter of India. In fact, more than fifty percentage of defense approaches is coming from Russia. Right, so that means lot of uh, you know like you know importance that uh, this uh, both countries have right and you know uh, in 2022 russia became a seventh largest you know global uh, trading partner of india right okay so these are the like uh, two uh, important points that uh, it uh, highlights and also the second point historical partners see since the beginning of india's independence the ussr the uh, Russia's uh, previous uh, form continuously supporting for India's growth in international relations. 
it has funded a lot of finance industries for india's you know economic development be it in our be it our iits be it our public sector companies in fact india's planning uh, uh, is actually inspired from ussr okay at one point of time the ussr was the largest global trading partner of india right so when there was a war between india and you know uh, uh, china ussr supported india and took a step which could benefit india right so that much you know importance that these two countries have right and then the uh, you know india uh, for india's aim to be a global uh, actor of international relation russia is also supporting for unsc membership third point right so india is the uh, sorry russia is the only country which actually positioning itself to support india's nsc membership anyway any fora any platform no other country doing that that means clearly signaling that it is pro to india's nsc membership so these are the three advantages that india has but then again there are like you know some disadvantages as well because uh, due to uh, uh, you know uh, uh, russia's uh, relations with china and also growing uh, importance of you know pakistan in uh, russia's uh, foreign policy signaling some uncomfortable uh, in india's uh, foreign policy uh, circuit because both have uh, different relations with india right so that is how uh, russia's importance towards china and uh, pakistan causing concern for india's uh, foreign policy and sometimes uh, you know thinking twice to move ahead with uh, russia right and other uh, problem with uh, russia that india has is that sometimes they are actually delivered uh, inferior quality different uh, defense approaches okay right so deadlines are shorter so to meet the deadlines okay so sometimes maybe or could be a differ, uh, different uh, reason but then india is getting uh, inferior quality uh, goods which are actually sometimes causing problem for india's uh, policy framers and also uh, see uh, both countries have been like you know saying that they should uh, increase their bilateral trade uh, you know uh uh by 2025 to 30 us billion dollars but current scenario says that only 18000 million dollars trade took place in 2022 in which russia's exports to india consisting of you know 16000 us million dollars which means india could able to export only some nearly 1000 million dollars which is lot of uh, trade deficit i see i understand right yeah so that should be uh, taken care of when uh, there is a trade uh, discussion that is happening between you know uh, india and uh, russia right so these are the three uh, uh, issues that are actually cropping up between uh russia and uh, uh india right so and then like uh, let me come to uh, china 
some of the uh, advantage that uh, India has with uh, China's uh, collaboration is basically largest trading partners. If, in fact, 40% of India's trade is with China happening. India's trade is actually uh, international trade. 40% of India's international trade is happening between India and China. That's a significant number. That's significant, right? That too, like every year, more than 100, you know, US billion dollar trade is happening, right? So this this is the uh, positive, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, a signal that uh, these both countries uh, is are giving for a, a, a mutual cooperation uh, and also develop uh, uh, in, in global economy. And also the second advantage is that both India and uh, China has equal ambition to uh, play significant role in international relations. India has its own uh, perspective and policy to uh, play a significant role or become important actor of international relations. Likewise, you know, China also has the same. So if both countries together come, then things would be different. But unfortunately, it is not happening. That is different issue again. The point here is that both countries have equal ambition to play a significant role, which is important thing that we should take in care of. And then, like, you know, most of the time, we always, uh, you know, read or see that India and, you know, China has adversary relations. But when it comes to international relations now, India and China are actually cooperating, particularly in global fora, be it in reforming a global organization, right? That was the objective of BRICS and both countries are be part of BRICS, right? So clearly signaling that both have equal, uh, you know, aim, right? And also when it comes to climate change, both countries try to put forward their like common perspective, right? Likewise, if you uh, see AIB, Asian Infrastructural Bank, China is the largest contributor of, you know, AIB. But after China, India is the largest, you know, global partner of AIB. Though this bank is consisting from Western countries as well, but then India is the second largest partner of AIB. That means if India has negative uh, approach towards China's growth, it doesn't do that, right? So it is a like you know, like you know, positive thing, a positive signal that India is giving to China that our issues are not all or comprehensive issues, rather specific issue based on the issue that we should discuss rather than complete uh, uh, you know sidelining of uh, india china on uh, including every uh, issue right so the disadvantage is that these two countries have trade deficit right like i said every year more than 100 us billion dollars trade takes place between china and india unfortunately in 2020 70 plus percentage of the trade deficit is there between india and china 73 percentage implies china is exporting more india is exporting less the trade deficit that was there was 73 percentage in 2020 okay somehow it got reduced to 51 percentage 
in 2021. Right. Okay. So there is huge trade deficit that is there between India and China that there is actually favoring China, which is causing a problem. Right. So that problem actually creating a rift between India's and, uh, you know, China's economy cooperation that we should take care of. That is the first disadvantage. And the second disadvantage is border dispute. It is a perennial every time, every time both the countries are actually involved in border dispute. Sometimes, you know, China is tinkering with India in Galvan Valley from Ladakh and sometimes from, you know, Sikkim from some sometimes you know Arunachal Pradesh some two three days back only I could uh, watch one video that uh, Chinese military force are entering in India and China's uh, India's military force are you know obstructing them to enter in India obviously these things cause rift between you know India and China particularly the border dispute playing a major stumbling block for fruitful relations of you know India and you know China. Right, and the third uh, disadvantage that India and China has is mistrust. Okay. Due to these, uh, like you know, a trade deficit and you know border dispute and several tech companies of uh, China, uh, India is believing that they are stealing our data. They are actually disturbing our security. Right. They are deliberately encouraging Pakistan to, you know, like you know. Uh, uh, send their uh, anti-social elements to India and disturbing uh, uh, is India's uh, peace and uh, stability, right? So this set of disadvantages that these uh, India and uh, China has that we should actually uh, explore and uh, so that both countries can grow together. Okay. And the last country is uh, South Africa. So the advantages with uh, South Africa that India has is both are historical partners because Mahatma Gandhi, father of India, he stayed in Af South Africa for quite many years. He played a significant role for the development of you know, South Africa, right? And Nelson Mandela, his iconic figure of you know, South Africa, he also played a significant role for the fruitful relations of you know India and South Africa, right? So this history play a significant role for India's and you know South Africa's relations right and other a positive uh, thing that is between India and uh, South Africa is see uh, uh, India's uh, new education policy encouraging uh, foreign universities uh, to establish their you know branches in India where the South Africa can send their you know kids to India so that they be get irritated, they be get educated with less amount of you know money, right? So there should be, there will be a proper, uh, fruitful education, uh, academic uh, skill development collaboration, uh, uh, cooperation can take place between uh, India and you know South Africa, and then South Africa also has largest in its diaspora due to historical reason. Because uh, during a uh, British uh, time, many of Indians have been uh, 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 shifted to South Africa to work in the uh, tea plantage, plantation. So till today, many of Indus diaspora are living there. They are playing a significant role for South African uh, development. At the same time, this community can play a marvelous job for the uh, prosperous relations between India and you know, South Africa. 
but then there are some disadvantages as well particularly their annual uh, trade is only uh, uh, you know like uh, some uh, us 10 billion dollars only though there is a lot of potential particularly in agriculture sector energy sector technology sector uh, uh, mineral resources sector right so that these countries should actually tap and then cultural ties should be strengthened more if there is a yes indian diaspora is huge in south africa but if we could tap them both the countries can you know get benefited right so that actually uh, we should uh, promote and encourage for the both the communities to at least you know uh, in cultural terms in education terms okay in in software terms soft power terms we should actually uh, focus upon but unfortunately which is not happening and then uh, a third disadvantage is that see india is aiming to be a unsc member likewise the south africa also aiming to be member of vnsc or you know like you know reforming of global fora but then both the countries unfortunately not putting effective step for the reforming of you know unsc right, right? so that they should work together so these are the uh, uh, some uh, uh, advantages and disadvantages that these four countries have with india and how can they resolve that is basically depends on their hands that's correct. That was amazing explanation. Thanks for that. In the beginning of our talk, we sum up the advantages of BRICS uh, for India. And then we spoke about India and particular countries, which is all good. But let's now speak about the BRICS as a block, as a block of countries. And what sort of threats do you see that can come to BRICS? Geopolitical, financial, maybe culture, you know, can you elaborate on that, please? Yes, actually, uh, there are a lot of issues that are there in the BRICS group. Yes, but then let me talk about positive things first. And then after that, I will talk about negative or issues or uh, a conflict that are there in the BRICS, right? Okay. So first of all, I think we should appreciate uh, the BRICS, um, BRICS countries to be part of BRICS group because all countries have different histories. Okay, and different different political uh, system. Okay, and all are from different uh, continental regions, and then divergent policies, uh, particularly foreign policies. But the mute point is, all countries have common agenda that the existing institutional structure of global order are not reflecting or representing all countries' interests that we should reform that all these countries that this have so the point here is that though there are a lot of differences between the BRICS countries but they are coming under same umbrella and voicing with one voice for the reforming of you know existing global order right so this is the positive word that i think we should appreciate right but then again there are actually negative points that are there within the BRICS, which actually causing a rift. Probably uh, this could be the reason that BRICS is not that extent successful. What was we predicted when it was formed in 2009, particularly the, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, China's economic strength in BRICS, right? China is the largest, you know, economy in BRICS group, and then which is actually uh, trying to expand their economic hegemony in BRICS group, which other countries are not accepting it. In fact, many uh, scholars are under the impression that in uh, Russia and, you know, China has very good relation. But the same time, they also have their own differences on several issues, particularly China's economy role in BRICS. Russia never want India, Russia, uh, China's supremacy in BRICS economy. Okay, he, Russia also never accept you know China's currency to be a major currency of you know BRICS countries, right? And Russia believes that if China is given a space where it, it could expand its role, it is a threat to their dominancy. Okay, and Russia never wanted uh, 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 as uh, you know one uh, third tier country on the, the uh, 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 China and uh, you know US uh, uh, a conflict that are happening now. It never accept that one. It actually aiming for biggest geopolitical global entity, and that is clear. If some other country could come and disturb it, obviously doesn't accept. Okay, China as so Russia also has its own view. It is not okay with everything that China does. Maybe you know the Far East region. Many uh, China's companies are you know like coming in this uh, Russia's Far East region and creating problem for the local people. Of course, they had uh, signed a treaty which uh, actually reduced the conflict, but then still there are some you know rift. Okay, and likewise India and you know India signed uh, Russia uh, China's conflict. Right. For example, recent in recent summit, China wanted to include uh, several other countries, particularly Pakistan, Turkey, okay, some other countries as BRICS member. But India and other BRICS members, they did not accept it. Why? Because they should be consulted. There should be a peaceful discussion, prosperous discussion between all these countries, so that that could include all the countries. Maybe other countries, maybe Pakistan, maybe Turkey, or other countries, or Argentina, right? So that problem actually are creating a lot of hindrances for the uh, BRICS growth, right? And also another uh, a problem uh, that this BRICS is in the form of you know China's aggressiveness when it is trying to put forward its foreign policy object in BRICS group. So unless or until China benevolent towards all this country and reflect all the country's interest in China's policy, BRICS success is not expected. Means, so if unless or until China is benevolent, benevolent towards this big country, the BRICS will not sustain. Just because China has humongous amount of you know, financial resources doesn't mean that it can bully other members of you know BRICS and you know expand their relation. It's not like that. It the BRICS should reflect all the country's interest. Then only the future of the BRICS actually successful. Otherwise, it's a big question. Thank you. Thank you very much for this. And the last question for today is India and the future support of BRICS, because we know that India 
is is always portrayed as a one country, one big country, but each country has political scene. And there are always voices pro and against whatever foreign policy you have. So when we think about India in the horizon of, let's say, five years, how can you see the position of India in BRICS in that future? Is there a big support domestically from India's politicians and experts, scholars and people to stay in BRICS and develop the BRICS? Or you also have some critical voices that we should also hear? If you could explore uh, the history of uh, India towards uh, BRICS group, fortunately, both the political alliances, see, uh, uh, UPA, Union uh, Progressive Alliance, headed by INC, Indian National Congress, and uh, NDA, National Progressive, National Progressive Alliance, headed by the present uh, BJP, so both the political alliance, alliances giving equal importance. Right. So usually what we expect that the previous government policy may not accepted by the present government. But in Indian context, particularly towards BRICS, is something different. From 2009 to till 2014, like I said, how Dr. Manmohan Singh gave importance to the BRICS group in its uh, in his uh, foreign policy objectives and implementation. I had discussed about that one already. Likewise, uh, even uh, present uh, Prime Minister of India, Narendra Modi, he also giving a lot of importance for the BRICS group. Why? Because you just see the activities that India does whenever the BRICS summit takes place. Of course, 2020 BRICS summit took place in virtual mode. But then there was a lot of activity that took place across India. Right? So, yes, there are some uh, political parties and individuals, they believe that BRICS doesn't have enough resources to take a position on uh, various uh, global issues or global aspect within our country. But then, as a government, whichever government is coming to power, they are actually giving importance. But policies are different. In importance, there is not, not at all uh, differences. Maybe uh, the objectives are different. Like I said, when uh, Dr. Dr. Manmohan Singh was the Prime Minister of India, it was actually economic block, trading block. But when uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi uh, became Prime Minister of India in 2014, strategic importance, security importance, peacekeeping importance, terrorism importance, extremism importance. Okay, there is no compromise on significance of in a BRICS group in India's foreign policy. Probably the policy may be different, objectives may be different. Thank you very much for this. I'm delighted that we could discuss BRICS today with Dr. Scriveners. And I can confidently say that he explained details about the BRICS and India in a very nice way. And thank you very much, Professor Skrivinas, for joining us today. I, I, it was a pleasure to, to speak with you and to hear your explanations, your knowledge about India. So thank you very much again. I also want to say thank you to our viewers for watching us and see you next time.
Thank you very much. It's my honor. Thank you so much, Dr. Martin. Hopefully, let's continue to collaborate on various talks of global issues and collaborate on other platforms. Thank you so much. It's my honor to be part of your lecture series. Thank you so much. Thank you.